You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Ukraine's investigation of grid hack reveals Russian ISPs and phone calls. A look at the FISBIS Linux malware used by the Russian APT-28 espionage group. It's not fancy, but it does the job. Researchers trace North Korean cyber operations, and South Korea upgrades its state of cyber alert. Bad news and good news on ransomware. Krakas and .govs react with both alarm and braggadocio to last week's arrest. French police collar an alleged bomb threat specialist. And we hear from University of Maryland expert Jonathan Katz, who explains the underlying technology behind Bitcoin. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. Ukraine continues its investigation into December's attack on segments of its power grid. That attack is now said to have been months in preparation, with reconnaissance beginning about six months prior to the attack itself. The latest statements from Ukrainian officials offer more evidence of a Russian connection. The attackers used a Russian ISP and made phone calls from within Russia, but they stopped short of attributing the attack to the Russian government. Evidence for any such attribution remains largely circumstantial, but the Russian government remains a prime suspect in the incident. Investigators continue to focus on black energy and think the attack itself was probably accomplished using compromised credentials. Palo Alto looks at FISBIS, Linux malware widely used by the Sofasi Group, also known as APT28 or Sednit, and as Palo Alto primly notes, a cyber espionage group believed to have ties to Russia. While relatively unsophisticated, FISBIS is thought to retain its usefulness in part because of relatively underdeveloped awareness of Linux malware and because many of its targets are business enterprises focused on Windows. Tensions increase on the Korean peninsula as North Korea undergoes a protracted period of assertiveness and nuclear sable rattling. The Republic of Korea expects cyber attacks from the DPRK and moves to a higher state of cyber alert. Kaspersky and Alien Vault lend some credence to South Korean concerns. Researchers with the two companies describe the continued activity of apparent North Korean threat groups who participated in the cyber looting of Sony in 2014. They trace the attackers through a long string of exploits, ranging from Dark Soul to the word processing malware Hangman. As is increasingly the case nowadays, the researchers stop short of saying the Norks did it, but it's fairly clear where suspicion points. Other companies, notably FireEye, have attributed many of the incidents to the North Korean government. 
ESET has described the Corkow malware used in criminal manipulation of EnergoBank's currency trading platform. Unlike such retail banking trojans as the better-known Hesperbot, Corkow targets banks as opposed to their customers, and so has received less popular attention. ESET does, however, regard Corkow as both evasive and capable. What's less clear is how its controllers monetize their attack. They don't appear to have profited directly from the attack, which leads ESET to speculate that the criminals either traded in the futures market, set up some third party for profitable trading, or were simply engaging in a trial run. The Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital, a large Los Angeles medical center, struggles to recover from an unusually tough-to-remediate ransomware attack. Here, the price of recovery the criminals are asking is higher than most enterprises would be willing to pay, $3.6 million. Hollywood Presbyterian isn't the only medical center hit by ransomware. Last week, the Lucas Hospital in Neuss, Germany, was the victim of TeslaCrypt. There was some good news over the weekend on the ransomware front. Security firm Emsisoft has succeeded in decrypting HydraCrypt and UmbraCrypt. So, well done to Fabian Vosar and his crew. The arrest of an alleged cracker with attitude by police in the UK last week has prompted both heebie-jeebies and gasconade from other crackers and, unsurprisingly, .govs. They're chatting with their media contacts at Motherboard, saying such things as, We are worried. I think I'll get raided before this month is up. And, Our campaign will only intensify now. And, If we find out who snitched cracker out, we'll be coming after him or her. So there, snitches. Take that. The teen arrested in the Midlands cracker sweep remains appropriately nameless. So does a teen arrested last week in France. Identified only as Vincent L., this 18-year-old studies at Elusse in Dijon. He was also administrator of the Darkness SU XMPP service. His arrest came in connection with bomb threats issued over about a week at the end of January and beginning of February. The threats were hired crime, offered for sale by evacuation squad. Vincent is out on bail, but will apparently be charged with failure to give the authorities his encryption keys. Evacuation squad's declared motives were plausibly adolescent, especially the second and third. Hatred of the American government, hatred of authority, and a love of chaos. They charged between $5 for threatening a school to $50 for disrupting a major sports event. Framing someone for a bomb threat, a particularly chilling service, was offered for $5. All of this could be paid in Bitcoin. No other currency was acceptable. How Bitcoin actually works is worth some attention. We caught up with the University of Maryland's Jonathan Katz, and we'll hear from him after the break. But here's some news you can use should you travel to France in pursuit of a life of anonymous cybercrime. Failure to render your encryption keys to police who require them in the course of investigation can earn you up to five years in prison. Pas bon, eh, mec? But of course, this isn't legal advice. Skids, do consult your attorney. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps. 
upkeep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. I'm joined by Jonathan Katz, professor of computer science at the University of Maryland. He's also the director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. They're one of our academic and research partners. Jonathan, Bitcoin is always all over the news when it comes to to all things cyber. It is the way that people exchange funds uh, anonymously. Just give us an overview of how Bitcoin works. So just to give a high-level overview, there are obviously a lot of technical details involved, but there are two key components, I think. Uh, The first of those is how Bitcoins are created. And that's done by having miners run a cryptographic algorithm on their computers. And what they're doing is essentially looking for solutions to a moderately hard cryptographic problem uh, that they expect to solve uh, at, at predetermined time periods. So that prevents people from just mining an infinite amount of Bitcoins or from you know, mining all the Bitcoins in existence and releases or, or uh, ensures that Bitcoins are created at some fixed rate. Uh, the second key component is the idea of the blockchain. And again, at a very high level, this is a distributed mechanism that uh, people running the Bitcoin protocol will use to guarantee some kind of consistent view of the transactions going on in the system. So every time one person sends a Bitcoin to somebody else, they will tell the uh, other people participating in the protocol about that transaction, and then they'll all run this distributed protocol involving the blockchain to make sure that everybody agrees that indeed this person sent some amount of Bitcoin to somebody else. What's the mechanism for converting a Bitcoin uh, into cash? Well, some people would argue that Bitcoin's as good as cash because if you can spend it, then it's just like cash. Uh, But if you did want to take your Bitcoin and then convert them to U.S. dollars, there are online exchanges that will allow you to do that. Bitcoin's really interesting because it kind of came up out of nowhere. It certainly didn't come from, uh, as far as we know, any uh, academic institution. And it was developed by somebody anonymously uh, who just floated the idea out there and then all of a sudden it, it was adopted. And so part of what makes that interesting is that nobody really has a good understanding of the security that the Bitcoin protocol provides. There was no analysis really in that paper, no formal analysis, certainly. And uh, as far as we know, there may be flaws in the protocol that haven't yet been found. So one thing we're trying to do at the University of Maryland is come up with formal models of what security properties you might want from a protocol like this, and then trying to determine whether the Bitcoin protocol actually satisfies them. And on that note, I'll mention that you let off with your first question, uh, saying that Bitcoin is anonymous. And that's actually not true. It's a uh, misperception. Uh, Bitcoin you know, provides anonymity to the extent that it doesn't release your name when you're spending a Bitcoin. But there are, in fact, ways that you can trace Bitcoin transactions. 
And one of the other directions of research that we're looking at is trying to come up with extensions of Bitcoin, generalizations of Bitcoin, uh, next generation versions of Bitcoin that might provide stronger guarantees like anonymity, true anonymity, uh, or other uh, things that you might want to improve about the Bitcoin protocol itself. All right. So buyer beware. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.